This is Poor Pivots, where Sean and I are going to look at some of the best in business and dig into what makes them tick. We'll dive into possible pivots to help them turn in the corner or completely flop. You're about to find out what it takes for a big company to thrive and survive. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Poor Pivots. We are your hosts, Nels and Sean. Sean, you ever been to a midnight movie? Like the the premiere of a blockbuster? I went to Harry Potter 5. <laughs> and what's interesting, uh, the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, what's interesting about Harry Potter 5 when you go to in theater opening night is other people, not me, but other people get really into it. They'll dress up. And when characters come on that you haven't seen in a while, like everyone cheers for random, like Neville Longbottom, like random third stringers, people are freaking out about. Oh my god! And so it was, it was good. It was very enjoyable. Had you read the books before? Yep, yep. I knew everything that happened in the movie. So spoiler, but when you see Sirius die, yes. you're kind of like about time. I knew this was going to happen <laughs> the whole time. That's what I was thinking about. Absolutely. What's it happening? What's it? <laughs> Harry Potter, did you follow it up with six, seven, eight? No. No, you didn't. No, you Not didn't. midnight. I, like, I've done it once. I saw the people. Deathly I it's Hall- the same people at every one. The Deathly Hollows part two. I saw know? them all, but I didn't see them opening night at midnight. You know what? I Quick take on the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. We've, we've both seen them all. Really like the progression. As far as how the actors and the characters develop, not only with the storyline, but also just like, okay, you know, Daniel Radcliffe grows older and all of a sudden now the movies are a lot darker. Yeah. I mean, look, look to the end of those Harry Potter movies. Those were kind of like dark and, and spooky and oh, yeah. a little scary, kind of emotional. Um, but when they're kids, everything is no, it's just joyous. And like, yeah, you know, I'm happy. To, oh, you know, Harry, you got lucky. You touched that guy's face and turned it into rock. Like, <laughs> Get out of that one. I will say the one thing that's interesting to me about that franchise is in the first book, they all talk about the point system, and it's very important that you win the House Cup. Like, it's Which very means important. jack shit in the future. <laughs> they, never, they never bring it up ever again. They establish all this lore about, oh, the House Cup, and we need to win, and then it doesn't matter the rest of the series. It kind of takes that form of, like, you know, move to the future of, in, in books three and on, it's about, like, Quidditch then, and how important Quidditch is. And I'm kind of sitting there, it's like, Dude, Harry, you have been almost murdered like 15 times. Maybe chill out on these house points and quidditch. Like, let's try to just get you some general security. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's interesting. So Harry Potter is actually one of the few uh, like movie franchises that's well-known that's not owned by Disney Studios. Yeah, which is funny. <laughs> I wasn't even going to my, – my intro to this was first movie I've ever seen at midnight was Mulan. <laughs> I was like, I can't I was like a teenager, early teenager, or even younger, probably. But I went to Mulan, and then I, I followed it up uh, later on so in life. Did your parents take you? To they Mulan? took me to go see Mulan, and I, I wasn't like a diehard samurai fan. I just, I think secretly, and that's that's got to be the joy of these these movies for parents is like secretly, my dad's just like, dude, this looks like a sweet movie, and Eddie Murphy is funny as hell. Like, let's. Let's go check this out. And so we went. And then funny enough, later in life, I went to The Incredibles. Wow. At Midnight 2, which was a great movie. And yes, our topic today is Disney, (laughs) which is such a weird and interesting company. And I think like the best way to describe it is it's really an entertainment conglomerate. 
So it's everything you know from everything you know of when you think of Disney. So like the mouse, the other characters, theme the parks, mo- the, the movies they have, but then things like theme parks yeah. uh, or collectibles, things that you would find on a, a shelf at a retail store. It's, it's incredible. And it, the thing that always blows my mind is all the different brands that Disney owns. This was it for me, man. Like I was doing the research and I realized that they basically own my childhood. Like the studios, it's Pixar. So Toy Story, Incredibles, Lucasfilms, Star Wars, mm-hmm. Disney Studios, which, you know, Mulan, you've got uh, Lion King, Aladdin, like Snow White, all the bangers, right? <laughs> and then you have 20th Century Fox. Yeah, that was pretty recent. Yeah. I mean, that was like within the last year. So it's, it's they're literally every Marvel Studios. Ugh. Oh, my, every single time. <laughs> well, the like trillion dollars that all those movies make is just going straight into Disney pockets. Absolutely. Yeah. A- ABC, History Channel, yep. Lifetime. The History Channel. Wow. I know. Right? <laughs> the sneaky. They're even in the educational side. That's. It's it's incredible. I was I was really shocked by ESPN. Like, ESPN and Fox Sports. I knew they had like a big sporting. Yeah, I mean they they get into that side of it, and that's it's actually you know one of the probably areas of the business is struggling the most <laughs> is trying to keep the like heavy journalistic style sports reporting well, still in, afloat. It's interesting as you listen to them, like kind of not even just the companies they bought, but the companies they didn't buy. Like they tried making a bid over NBC. They're trying to kind of consolidate because they, they've owned ABC for what feels like forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Fox acquisition is fairly recent. So they picked up, you know, obviously a studio, broadcasting, sports yeah. stations, like everything. But before that happened, they were originally re- really gung-ho on NBC. And for whatever reason, GE wouldn't sell to them without maintaining a 51% stake interest, which didn't interest um, Eisner and the leadership team. So it didn't happen. So they didn't do it. Yeah, I remember back to my youth, every thinking of ABC, that was Channel 5 for us. Uh, yep. Sunday night, we would watch Channel 5, and it would always be uh, some sort of like Disney family movie. And it was, God, you name it, it was, it was just like some great films. I even think Harry Potter had a run in there for a while. And maybe, and maybe I'm making that up because I've watched <laughs> it so many times. But I remember like tuning in Sunday night, specifically to go watch those movies that they had man and it it was uh, amazing and and so breaking down disney's income which i think was kind of interesting so uh that side of it is the media networks there's a whole other complete arm of it which is parks and resorts which the media networks they're bringing in 6.14 billion dollars in revenue parks and resorts is at almost five so they're they're close to each other. Nice. Like they are, they are not that far off. And I think that whole kind of building of those parks, super interesting. Um, and I didn't know how old they really were, but uh, Disney actually created them in 1955. And I, I thought it was, it was a huge leap into that idea of, of an experiential world. Uh, like that was not being done before. And he, he took this brand that he had built over film and movies and actually put it into a physical, you could show up and, and experience it. And not only can you see it on the screen, but you can come live the fairy tale life. It was amazing. So like thinking about, so there's Disney World and Disneyland, and one of them is based in Anaheim, and the other one's obviously in Florida. Mm. And the story of how they made, I can't remember which one it is, whatever the one is in Florida, where they had this swamp, 
there's all this land that was owned by different landowners. It was a, it was a amazing deal. They get like 40 landowners to sell independently, sell their properties and no one figures out what the heck is going on. <laughs> so they end up with a good deal. We studied that in a business law case back in college about like the last guy who, who sold his property. It's like, just hold out. Ask yeah. He probably, he probably <laughs> realized like, I hope after a while you're seeing all these bulldozers, bulldozers move in like, Oh, maybe I should hold on to this for a while. Something, <laughs> somebody seems to be uh, coming around me. I'm going to keep like, my swamp land. <laughs> yeah, I got to, I got to golf front property, but instead it's like Disney front. They would have built all around him. It wouldn't work. He's <laughs> <laughs> like a donut hole right in the middle. Right. No roads in or out. Use the eyes. Trapped. Oh, it's kind of incredible. And I, so fun fact, I learned this while reading a book on vacation. So I was reading a book called The Devil in the White City. Have you heard of it? No. About it? It's about the World's Fair in 1890s in Chicago. So following up when France, when France made the Eiffel Tower and they had their World's Fair, Chicago wanted to do the same thing. Or the yep. U.S. wanted to basically say, hey, we're the coolest country. We can, we can do great things. And uh, basically they, they went to Chicago, which was just a meatpacking city. Like it, it was a bustling town, but because of agriculture and meat and that it was considered like a pretty grungy place. But all these architects get together and they they transform it and they spend like tens of millions of dollars, which at the time was a stupid amount of money, right? to build this like village where people could go experience. So really like that first theme park kind of feel of, nice. uh, this is temporary, but come on in and experience the best in the world. And, and the feat of talking about how quickly they did it, they did it all in like two years, like crafting the ideas to actually doing it. Um, is, is just absolutely incredible. And the other part of the book that's interesting is like at the same time, there was this crazy serial killer. So drama and like cool buildings. Okay. Um, but our fun fact are like our equivalent of the Eiffel Tower was the Ferris wheel. That was where the Ferris wheel debuted. Oh, at in Chicago? In the World's Fair. Wow. But okay, so why this is relevant yeah. is like it – this like a bullet point at the end that was just very small was that uh, one of the people that put a lot of time and, and uh, work into this was Disney's dad. Oh, wow. So he, he was involved in this like first experiential, you know, this is, this is how you can create and monetize uh, a, basically a theme park. And then you probably talking it up at the dinner table, the little wall. And, and sure enough, like 1920s, come around and he's drafting a, a picture of this mouse. And was like, this is going to be, this is the thing. Do you know, do you have fun, fun fact? Do you know what Mickey was called? No. Mortimer, the mouse. <laughs> I mean, that just rolls off the tongue. You know, it's so funny. It's like, think of how much Mortimer. popular Mortimer as a name would be. If like, that was the thing. Oh, it's like, yeah, no, it's my, it's my buddy Mortimer. <laughs> He could have he could have made that name mainstream. Like there's so many morts out there that are just bummed. <laughs> to make it, I don't know any of them. I don't know if I don't know if I meet them. But that's funny. Yeah. Oh. So Mickey was created in 1928, and Steamboat Willie was his his first animation was sound. That one I know. Uh, and then they they went past that 1934 Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yep, came out, and at the time it was the highest grossing film ever. Wow! Which, incredible. I haven't seen that movie in a while. I got to go back. That's so freaking early. 1934. Yeah. Like 
I guess I just had Mulan in my head of like decent animation, but I wonder, I wonder how it holds up to like today's standards. Yeah. I mean, so you definitely know it's not digitally animated, right? Like it's folks who yeah. you can tell, I think, I think it's interesting. And what's actually funny is uh, because a lot of Disney's, you know, older stuff was all obviously done by hand. You can yeah. actually tell certain sequences are reused in certain movies. Mm. So like if there, there's a sequence in um, Robin Hood, where like they're all kind of dancing around. They yeah. reuse that from the jungle book. Like it's the straight up same animation. Just like some of the little, like the hair is different. The hair is different. <laughs> like, wait, where did that big guy come from? Why is he in this dance? And we're like, Oh, that was supposed to be Baloo the bear from the jungle book. So it's, it's identical scenes. Yeah. But behind the scenes, like we got to be capital efficient. They're both in jungles. We're not Let's reusing the same thing. Like the bear is the same. It's fine. <laughs> uh, which is interesting. And it's so crazy. Cause like, of course now they own Pixar, but for a little brief stint of time like when toy story came up imagine if you were a, like an animator someone working for the disney animation team which wasn't really a thing like you were a, like a cartoonist basically yeah. imagine the launch of toy story because like toy story like to a true animator toy story was supposed to be like a joke like there's no way you're supposed to be able to do it with machines like yeah. yada, yada yada and then it launches and it's a crazy hit in what 95 and you're coming off of lion king in 94 which is a great movie mm-hmm but then you're like, okay, and then they're able to do them so much faster. You have Toy Story, Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, all within four years. And you're just sitting there like, um, <laughs> what? Where, 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 I know, it's insane. More important question, where do you fall on the Bugs Life ants train? I'm Bugs Life. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get that one out of the way. Uh, ants is a DreamWorks movie, right? Oh, man, I don't even know. I just, much scarier. No, I'm not about it. I wasn't. I wasn't at, at. I'll fight the grasshoppers any day. <laughs> yeah, nine years old. I I wasn't ready to be frightened. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah. it's interesting. You mentioned kind of like the genesis of the parks. One of the things I thought was interesting in researching Disney was there actually is another Disney that you probably haven't heard about. Okay. You mentioned Walt Disney. Nels, does the name Roy Disney mean anything? To you? Oh, is, is, is bro Roy? His bro Roy, his co-founder oh, no, of Disney, does. Roy, who would later become CEO. So after, um, and he actually is the one who names it Walt Disney World or Walt Disneyland. He's the one who adds Walt in front of it. It was originally just called Disneyland. So he's the man behind the curtain. Yeah. yeah. Funny thing, Roy could have probably had all the credit in life had he been like Roy Disney World. <laughs> yeah, he could have. He could have done it, but he didn't. And that was very indicative of his personality, right? Like just reading like notes and articles folks have written about him. He was kind of a behind the scenes guy. He does have a Hollywood star, but yeah. aside from that, like you won't find out much about Roy. What? What about their brother Mortimer? I don't think <laughs> about anything. He could have survived if they just named that damn mouse after him. Mortimer. Oh my gosh! Oh, Good for Roy. Yeah, like I, I did not know that about. He was the CEO after Walt. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a like fun and probably great Christmas party the Disney's had or, or they hated each other like hell and just, <laughs> we're so sick of each other. Right. Right. Uh, I don't want to see this guy anymore for sure. I, so man, it's just dumb how great, uh, Disney is a, like how good they are at making you spend money. So think of the parks. Not only do they have Disney World, Disneyland, which is in America, they also they have Disney parks all across the world: Hong Kong, Tokyo, Paris, Shanghai. They have twelve different parks, uh, and it's insane. And I was just I was reading, I was trying to find stats on it, but it, it was like inundated with 
TripAdvisor post. It's, <laughs> it's basically like, how much should you expect to spend at Disney World? And they said, outside of your outside of your tickets, expect to spend a hundred to two hundred dollars per person a day. How stupid! Like, what are you, you buying a hot dog for forty eight bucks and like a a, a princess outfit? I mean, it's just it's insane. Um, I mean, it's totally insane how much money these things just these places just print. And and that's the you go there with that idea in your head of like oh I have to spend two hundred you know that's normal it's like my family of five is going to walk out having spent twelve hundred bucks and it, it is funny though and and like my I have a talking point bullet here do you have anyone in your life that you know that just like kind of weirdly likes Disney a little bit too much so I actually had a cousin of mine who worked at uh, Disneyland as one of the princesses. So she, what? Was, she was in that group. <laughs> yeah. But she was like her job. She had to love Disney too much. The, uh, the Higgins family is just full of babes. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. Who was she? Um, so it was, she moved down to Florida to take this job working there. I don't know. It was, it was good. She was a cousin of mine. She'd lived in uh, East Coast. She liked She liked working for Disney. It was a good, good opportunity. There you go. Yeah. She, she, she probably, was really into it. I mean, like you have to be, you have to be that kind of person where it's like, you're greeting people every single day. Oh, you you're are. You're always in. like on and you're, loving it. So. You're in character. Yeah. You're, you're right. having fun. People have to ask you, I don't know which princess, full disclosure. But. There you go. Man, that is so, <laughs> yeah. that is super interesting. And it's funny because like everyone that works in the park has a life outside of it. Cause it's yes. not, it's for most people, it's not their full-time job. And I remember reading some, I think it was a psychology story about how, it's very hierarchical as far as like the prowess of your character that you are is where you fall within line. And they were talking about how like a print, one of these princesses was revered as just like the coolest person. And they, they had a lot of say at the park, but in reality they had like no life outside of it. And one of the low life people was a, was a medical med, like medical grad at uh, at Stanford, and they were just trying to do a summer job, and no one liked him because you know because he's he doesn't he's, care. He's yeah. one of the dwarfs, and he's <laughs> just trying to make some money uh, to be able to to live. And, so my favorite is the interactions these actors have with the people in the park, especially when you sometimes you get into interesting situations. So last year in 2018. You had the guy who plays a Finn in Star Wars visited yeah. Disney World. Do you hear about oh, this? No. Hear so Disney now owns uh, Star Wars, right? Yep. And so there's a whole like Star Wars thing you can play. There's actually like a, a place you can go to. It has a VR headset. We can go and like hey. battle the Empire. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, but this guy, he was there. And the stormtroopers see him. Like the stormtrooper actors see the guy who plays Finn in the movie. He's just like there hanging out with friends. Yeah. And they arrest him, like as the oh, do this? Yeah, they take him into custody, man. And they, I don't know, they like patrol him around the park. Or <laughs> That's such a great idea. Like you have folks that are that in character that just really love what they're doing that much. That is so funny. You know, like a slightly, I, I, a, a, a kind of funny and kind of morbid, depending on the the life event that you look at, like. A crazy amount of life events, so I'll call it, what happened at Disney World. So everything from proposals, marriages, yep. to the one I saw was, I was looking up stats for Disney and it said, watch out, dead people's ashes are everywhere. Apparently, it's a pretty common thing for all these like diehard Disney fans that they want to get cremated and dropped in Disney World. And then they, they have a special like hazmat vacuum at Disney World. 
to be able to like sweep up your mom <laughs> to get her out of the park. Oh man, that's brutal. <laughs> my last, my last wish is I love Disney so much that I want to be like thrown off a uh, space mountain. Yeah, <laughs> just let me fall wherever I land. Oh, oh I'm man. in that kid's ice cream. Man. Oh man. <laughs> uh, other fun fact, and I, I this is just like a. This is a numbers thing. If you wanted to stay for one day in every single hotel room uh, owned in like Disney resorts, it would take you 68 years to stay in all of them. I don't know if I could do it anymore. I don't know. I, I don't know if I, that's where I want to spend my time. God, there's just too many pictures of Mortimer the mouse around. <laughs> yeah. This is too happy. I don't know if anyone, I don't think Walt or Roy. So Walt, I don't think he made it to his 70s. Um, yeah, I don't know. So did, I, I don't know this. Did Roy take over after Walt died? Yeah. Roy, Roy dies at 71 or in 1971. It was 1971. Okay. So yeah, neither one of them made it very long. Yeah. Neither one of them lived long enough to do this 68-year challenge. <laughs> they couldn't think we don't own a house. We're billionaires. <laughs> so we stay in, in one of these parks. Let's stay in the park. That's it. we got to experience it like everyone else. It's, it's the true, true – air of a good CEO is when they, they go and test out all their products. I want to stay in all of these rooms and I need the full experience of full night stay. And the other, the other side of it too, is that if Walt were to do that, he would spend all of the billions that he made because it is that expensive. I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, all right, Sean. So they own every single brand you could ever think of in the entertainment Exactly. World. They are printing money off of their their crazy smash Avengers hits and all of their other crazy animations. Uh, they're selling Mickey Mouse ears left and right. Yep. Uh, but they could be making even more money. They're they, leaving money on the table. They, and 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 how do we how do we get that table? How do we get the table? We're getting the table. We're buying the table. We're buying the table. They're in the table making business. I can deal with that. All right. I can handle that analogy. Okay. So thinking about Disney was a little tricky for one major reason. Disney owns a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about it. Usually when a company buys another company or enters another market, the the government looks at antitrust regulations to see if the market has become too concentrated. When you own every single movie in the world. Right. So there's this thing called the Herfindel-Hirschman Index, HHI. <laughs> and the HHI is a measure of market concentration. So when you look at, uh, you know, whether it's a mer- the Disney-Fox merger, you're looking at, okay, what percentage of movie studios, what percentage of television broadcasts, how does this concentrate the market? And this is what's used to determine is the market a monopoly, which is no good and it'll get trust busted. Is it an oligopoly, which has like a couple people and it's fair game, or is it something else? Yeah. And so thinking about that, I was looking at it, and I don't know if Disney can actually acquire another like studio yeah. just with the current state of the market. That was where I originally went. I was like, oh, it makes sense. They've been buying everything. Let's have them buy another studio. Yeah. Um, but so with that out, I kind of went back to the roots. Disney owns an awful lot of my childhood, right? They've got all the great shows from DuckTales to Gargoyles, the animated series to – Pixar and Disney Studios and Mulan and everything uh, in between. My and, youth. And it's interesting because Disney, on top of that, they also have summer camps. Disney what? has summer camps where they can send kids off. like exact, And you learn classes. So it's very skill-based. It's a youth education series is what they call it. And so you learn things from like 
you know, how to make a movie to just like <laughs> random life skills. Like they'll teach you how to become a cook or learn leadership as a young person. Like it's totally kind of, you know, very vertically integrated in the life of that child. Like Shaping see, the next wave of adults. Exactly. You see those folks, you're seeing Disney in these classes, you're seeing Disney on TV, you're seeing Disney at the movie theater. I am looking at a, a $191 package for Disney leadership strategies class. Yeah. That's for, incredible. For high schools, Girl Scout seniors and Girl Scout ambassadors. Oh, leaving the Boy Scouts out. Yeah, they, they'll they'll make it happen somewhere else. Give us a chance to learn. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, you get you get those different pieces. So it's very holistically integrated in the life of a young person. Mm-hmm. But do you know where you're not seeing Disney today? You're not seeing Disney today. Let me paint this picture for you, Nels. Think back. You're in high school. It's around twelve fifteen. Where are you right now? I'm in lunch. You're in lunch. All right. Perfect. Did you bring your own lunch or did you go to the cafeteria? Oh, I always had my own lunch. You always had your lunch? Well, I ate from the cafeteria. I would eat Bosco sticks. They had Bosco sticks and Tabasco. Yeah. They were great. They weren't very good for me, but I'd eat them all the time. Anyway, in lunch, you're not seeing Disney. As <laughs> so while you're eating, there's no exposure. You might have just come from a Disney seminar or a Disney class. You might have just watched a Disney movie or told your friend about a Disney show. But at lunch, you're not seeing Disney anywhere. Nels, what shape are your chicken nuggets? Circles? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? So, so Disney actually has some capability around this already because they've got all these resorts. Disney employs 290 salaried chefs. And these chefs are already responsible for researching, designing, testing, and rolling out menu items at all of the Disney resorts and lodges throughout the world. So we take these chefs, they already know how to make these menus, and we take this capability that someone like a Cisco is already doing, the people who are providing with your, your school lunches today, and we have Disney open up their own menu items so you can get Disney resort level food right at your high school. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. You're seeing the brand, you're paying Disney the money, and you have this holistic experience. You come from the movie, you get the Disney food, you go back and watch your favorite Disney show. You know who would love this? Who? Michelle Obama. (laughs) She hates the current lunch system at school. Let's disrupt. Let's bring Disney in. Let's make these things healthy. It could be a partnership. And, and sure, they it, it may look like uh, Mufasa getting held up on, on that rock, but... Yeah, I mean, that's what your green bean casserole normally look like that anyway. I think so. I think so. I think so, so. Did, okay, visually, tell me how you're seeing this. Are you, are you, is it like things in the shape of characters? I would actually probably wager it's more, I mean, you could go that route and have like things in the shape of characters. I think it would probably be more like menu items brought to you by Disney when you have just like the same food. Because when you go to Disneyland, it's not like you get. Mufasa nuggets every time. Like there's yeah. a there's a hamburger option you could get too. Yeah, and so and it's, it's just like catered by Disney. Hamburgers shaped in like Vader's helmet. There you go. <laughs> I, mean, I suppose if you really wanted to take it there, you could go that route. My thought is it's another market. It's a market they don't currently have any presence in, so they're not going to get trust busted over it. Yep. And it's a spot where they can go and and disrupt folks like Cisco, disrupt the current high school lunches, which no one is really that excited Dude, about. Cisco, Sodexo are like, those companies are the most boring. <laughs> They're big. There is no flavor, no <laughs> excitement. And I'm like imagining what if you, you know, like a good bar, right? Yeah. If Miller, if Miller's on tap, they also have like the Miller signs. Like imagine my lunch lady, we give her a little flair and she's wearing like a Hulk apron. <laughs> 
Yes, <laughs> that would be perfect. Oh my gosh. And so with 26,000 uh, public high schools and 10,000 private high schools, you got quite a market opportunity to go up here if you're Disney. Dude, I, are you an ice cream fan? So, so. Okay, so the like the ice cream treats that schools have are always suck. <laughs> like imagine that you're eating the stormtrooper's helmet. And it's like one of those super oh John, I like this. <laughs> this is where we're headed. So if you're Disney, stay hungry out there. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> uh, different route for me. Okay. So we, we are again on different pages here. So Disney, why not do both of these pivots? Because because they both can be crazy successful. John. What is Disney not in? What market aren't they in? We, I just asked you this question. <laughs> Food preparation. What's another one? Okay, what, um, just give clean, it larger second. Larger second. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna create a business, Sean, and, and it's gonna be software. Okay. Who, who do you like to sell to? Uh, businesses. Businesses. Enterprise software. Yeah. B two B, baby. <laughs> Disney is not in that world right now, right? That's Everything fair. they're doing is straight to consumer. Yep. And. And they're selling experiences, they're selling items, they're doing all that, and they're making a ton of money. Uh, and, and I, I kind of saw this other side of the market. It's like, how is, how, how is Disney engaging with other businesses uh, to be successful? And I, I was looking at an example that I saw at a different retailer. So like Disney, in, with all regards, is a retailer yep. in many aspects. Uh, and retailers that are just traditional brick and mortar stores are going through so much disruption, right? Absolutely, serious. And yeah, I think it's serious. Well, <laughs> bankruptcy. No, I mean the the uh, comparison that I have here is Dick, actually Dick Sporting Goods. Oh, so Dick Sporting Goods, and I was just told this, and I researched it. It's really really cool. Uh, they are a store where you can buy stuff for youth sports, other types of sporting goods like. Uh, kayaks or hunting things like that they actually came out with a completely free uh subset of software for you sports i know this did you know that yeah so it's it's affinity sports which is like your league management software uh blue sombrero which i thought was a very interesting name uh which is hosting for your sports team's websites <laughs> if you're listening out there buy all the others uh color sombrero combinations <laughs> buy those dot coms yellow right. sombrero gray sombrero buy them all They're buy it quick but and uh game changer which is like communication between athletes coaches parents things like that a messaging app basically and the interesting thing is that it is completely free and like we come from where we live uh, a lot of sports tech companies are around and they're they're licensed software and so we we know this world we're around it and it's Completely free is kind of crazy, right? Yeah, like it, it takes money to make software. Uh, it takes money to go find customers, things like that. And the best that I can gather from it is that it's completely free because it is a feeder into their products. Yeah. Right? So you get a U Sports team ooh, on board. Ooh, all right. All of a sudden now they need to buy a bunch of different branded soccer socks. It's like, well, here we go. You can buy with one click because all of your information is already uploaded. Yep. Right. So basically what I'm trying to get at is Dick Sporting Goods has done a very interesting pivot that I like a lot is they've created software that's very valuable. But it's almost a lost leader to drive business. Complete lost leader to drive business in and they don't need to monetize it. And because of that, they're able to drive a ton of interest compared to the other solutions that are out there. Yeah. So how does Disney get into that market and what sort of area do they tap into? If you are a, a, a very young girl. What are you into in Disney? 
you love princesses, right? That's true. Right? You you love, you idolize, and you adore these princesses. And because of it, you want to be a princess. And maybe you and your parents enter a beauty pageant and you get on the circuit. Sean, do you know anything about beauty pageant software? I do not. There's almost none of it out there. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Turns out the beauty pageant software is almost non-existent and being run by some kind of crappy companies. I haven't seen it. I mean, do you think it's because the market is small or? Hold up. You haven't seen it? Yeah. You haven't taken time to, no. to understand and research? Be- not the beauty pageant. Is the market small? It's a trillion dollar market. No <laughs> way. No way. No, it is not small, but it is an interesting feeder into the types of that people makes sense to me, yeah. That love Disney, right? And so when I was thinking about it, I said, what if Disney enters the enterprise world? And it starts with beauty pageants. Basically, it offers to all the events that are out there that are doing this, hey, here's some pretty bomb software that you could be using to manage your events. It's better than what's out there, and hey, it's also free. Yep. What does Disney get out of it? They get a pipeline of people that are really, really interested in Disney. Basically giving them data. Yep. It's like what types of, of pageant contestants are popular? Who's winning? What are the trends of like what people want they can get from their software? And then the more the more interesting part that I think is a little bit longer tail is, you know, who are who are kind of the up and comers? Right? Like who who is uh, really crushing it in the pageant circuit? And is there a way that we can inject them into our entertainment at a young age? Ah. Do you, did you grow up with the Disney Channel? Yep. Okay. So, I mean, it is, it is totally true that some of the, some of the people, like most famous celebrities right now grew up on the Disney Channel, right? They got their start on like Disney's kind of entry point of entertainment where kids are watching them and they, they crafted them into stars. Yep. So everyone from Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, Miley Cyrus, Miley Cyrus. Yeah. I loved her when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> and now I love her now as a singer. Isn't Shia LaBeouf one of those? Two? Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? Uh, Jonas Brothers. Okay. Remember that concert you went to with those three brothers? No. <laughs> no. And my man, Zac Efron. Ah, High School Musical. Yeah. High School Musical and like Baywatch star. <laughs> So basically, you know, it's all these entertainers that, you know, they, they grow up in the Disney circuit where there's already eyeballs and they can, they can identify them using the software and later create the stars that are going to drive millions and, and legitimately billions of dollars in revenue. So it's almost like a finding talent resource. It's a talent acquisition plan. I like it. I don't charge for the software because you need it, but it also is kind of my pipeline to learn about people who like Disney and what they want so I can change other things in my business, but then also kind of find those people that might be good in the films that I got. I love this. I, I can just envision like some poor, like inside sales team calling up these pad, like this, these pageant owners yes. just being like, Hey, we got this free software for you to use. Uh, <laughs> hey, you should really try it. Uh, you're going to need all of the information of your, your pageant attendees on here. Put in all their stats, please. <laughs> you can use it for free, I promise. All right, Brooke is four foot two inches. <laughs> Perfect. Um, it, but it, it starts with pageants and it extends into other areas. I'm surprised Disney doesn't already have a pageant presence. 
I mean, they've got these classes. I bet there's a pageantry class they teach somewhere in their long list. They have so many programs and classes. It's insane. So, and it, I mean, it's insane because the stigma for pageants is great, right? It's teaching, I, yeah. teaching confidence at a young age. Um, and, and parents of kids that are in pageants aren't crazy at all. Like they're just trying to make independent, like little, little adults. <laughs> have you, I, I, I laugh again. Have you seen that? Uh, there's been so many reality TV shows built around pageants and I'm how, not, I know of them though. I know how the stupidly insane the parents are. It's, it's crazy, we're but trying to win. Hey, I'm not saying we're creating the most moral thing in the world. Like it is a, it is a market. People are out there. <laughs> Software is needed. See, but would you rather drive the pageant business or feed thousands of high schoolers every year? Why Why do we have to pick one? That's fair. Disney's who's going to cater the pageants is the real question. <laughs> Disney. What shape are the nuggets at the pageants? Are they Darth Vader helmets or not? I can't, you know, it's funny. I'm like off the cuff trying to think of different shaped. All, all I can think of is chicken nuggets. Like what else can be the shape <laughs> of a pancake? There you go. Death Star, yeah. <laughs> Death All Star. Star Wars too. Um, Death Star is a circle. <laughs> <laughs> They're already the same shape. So, so Disney goes cheap on their catering service. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Well, who is who is the CEO now? Is it? Um, it's not Eisner. Eisner got ousted, right? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Look. So I know oh, Bob Iger. Yep. So Eisner was in 2005. The Disney was in some rough patches. And he voted for himself to come back as chairman, but the other people did not. Yeah. And so he, you know, had potentially overstayed his welcome. He had some good hits, though. He had Lion King. Yeah. He had Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Pixar acquisition. Boom. Good work, Mike Eisner. Now, Bob Iger, it's up to you to take these pivots and run with them. Till next time. <laughs>